We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Have you ever thought, I'm going to move to New York and make it in theater? Well, my next guest did just that. Left his home and native land and journeyed south to the Big Apple. Let's learn more about his career and experiences as a Canuck south of the 49th parallel. Let's welcome to the show, Zachary Martin. Zach, how are you? Hey, doing well. How's it going? Good. Thank you for uh, coming on today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Cool. And we'll talk a little bit later about how we actually met each other, because um, we'll bring that up, because that is part of your career. Um, but before we get to all that fun stuff, uh, we always like to get to know the guest a little bit better. So in 30 seconds, who is Zach Martin? The 30-second bio of Zach. All right. Uh, put me on the spot here. Okay, well... 30 seconds or less. Let's see. I am a uh, Canadian actor uh, living and working in New York. I have my green card. I'm basically an American, but, you know, just can't vote yet. And uh, <laughs> that's probably a good idea <laughs> these days. Um, but, um, yeah, so I, I, I went to college here when I was 18 uh, at Sarah Lawrence College. Um, wanted to stay. Got my green card, luckily, to help my family. And, uh, yeah, just been working very actively in regional theater as well as uh, some off-Broadway New York City productions. And uh, also became a playwright in the past uh, three years or so. So, Very nice. Congratulations on all that stuff. Thank so, you. So let's take it back to the, to the beginning. Were you always into theater and musical theater growing up? Or is that something you discovered a little bit later in life? I was, actually. I was in the, uh, when I was, I think I was three or four years old. My, my parents... Um, put me, you know, it might've been three, four or five, I don't, I don't even know, but one of the, one of those ages, they put me in the Canadian children's opera chorus. So growing up, um, I got my, uh, I guess, learning how to read music and kind of getting my first dab of things there. And then eventually that brought me to uh, Randolph Academy for the performing arts in Toronto. So uh, where I did a number of shows there with their Toronto, um, with uh, Randolph Young Company, um, their youth theater. Nice. And are you the are you the black sheep of the family, or is it an artistic type family? I I, I really am the black sheep in the family. <laughs> uh, I have to say that my uh, my grandmother um, she passed away uh, right before COVID. Um, you know, so but she was a uh, very big uh, very big uh, part of my life, and she was the one where I think I got my uh, musical genes from. She was active on the piano all the time. Uh, did a lot of. Um, uh, shows at uh, Camp Erewhon back in the day, one of the sleepaway camps in mm -hmm. uh, northern Ontario. Um, and that's where I, we shared our love of music there, but nobody else really in the family, there was a love of music, but nobody else really um, actually went about it, did it. Nice. And obviously you went to, to school for theater, but I always, I'm always curious, before you decided that is the career path you wanted to go, was there anything else was there anything in high school or anything like that you went, maybe I could do this because you're kind of interested in that? Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people think of things as like, what's your what's your fallback career? What's your, you know, things don't work out. I don't like to think of it that way. I actually, I'm actually lucky enough to be able to do both. So I always knew. So the reason why I went, I mean, I always wanted to go to school in New York. Um, that, that was a given. I, I've always wanted to live and work in 
New York is a place to be, obviously, for theater. No disrespect to anywhere else. There's great opportunities there as well. But that was the dream. So I knew I was going to go to college there. And college and university mean two very different things in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, college is more, you go to be, it's a trade school, whereas in, in the United States, university and college are kind of interchangeable, like you know, four-year undergraduate program. I went to college here, but that would be interpreted as I went to a trade school. And so there is not musical theater or theater, um, you know, straight acting offered at a university level in Canadian terms in Canada. Whereas in the United States, much larger country population-wise and choice of school, you could still get a Bachelor of Arts, um, and, but um, in, in, a, in, a, in a different degree. So essentially liberal arts and sciences, Bachelor of Arts and liberal arts and sciences um, at Sarah Lawrence is my degree. Whereas, you know, I also was part of the theater department. So a third of my classes were arts related, but academically, I was still able to take more like business related courses, law, political science. So you get a way better um, 360 vertical education and you're employable in multiple fields in the graduate rather than just a bachelor of fine arts, which is great as well. But I knew for me that I wanted to have the ability to be able to do both. And you know, luckily I did a lot, a lot of internships in college um, and uh, with marketing, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, obsessed with the TV show Mad Men, I wanted to be Don Draper. Um, <laughs> so, in the you know digital terms, you know Facebook ads and that stuff. So that's what I that's that's my, that's my day job. But at the same time, I don't think of it as a fallback. It allows me to be able to be an actor in New York City, to live and work in New York City, um, and I've been able to be able to do both. Um, I actually work remotely even before COVID. So that when it, when it was a uh, a thing with people didn't really understand. I was I was one of the OGs of remote work because I was working at Actors Equity or Pearl Studios or Ripley Greer or um, whatever audition place in New York City. I was there at the crack of dawn in line. I would pull up my laptop waiting in line at Equity Principal Auditions, Equity Chorus Calls or Appointments, XYZ, Actors Access, all that jargon. Um, I, I was doing it, but I was working while I was waiting and you know, in and out of the room and go back to work or go to the next audition, kind of have the flexibility to do that rather than being tied down to a cubicle, you know, somewhere. It's always interesting when I, when I talk to, to my friends in the States about colleges and universities, because it is so completely different. Because um, I went to Sheridan College and then I went to York University, which, you know, they're, they are completely different. Um, and, yeah. and in the States, the college and universities are interchangeable. Actually, last year, not even that, six months ago, I finally learned what A&M stood for because I had no idea because we don't have any of that type of thing up here. So Yeah, and I, I definitely look, we hired an educational consultant. She, she literally said there's nothing in Canada at a university level that you know, would allow me to have a Bachelor of Arts, but also be in like a theater program. So at Sarah Lawrence, the beauty was that the term theater third is that a third of your classes are arts related. So I, I maybe had three to five classes a semester that were dance, acting, film, whatever the case may be related. But I also took two academic, like political science, law, marketing, internships, etc. And you can kind of craft your schedule. It's a very um, new way of um, new school way of thinking. Uh, a lot of a lot of colleges in the United States are kind of shifting the model to liberal arts and sciences, because you, you just graduate being a little bit more well rounded rather than you know, declare a major in one specific thing. Now you're from Toronto originally. Yes. Yes. Born and raised in Toronto. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then, you know, what I think when I go down to New York, it's, 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 
it is so different. Like coming back, I was standing by the road for, in New York and everything's happening. I, the next week I was down in Bay street and I was like, mm-hmm. where is everybody? It, it's crazy. <laughs> so, so you, you went to school, sorry, Lawrence, it's in New York city. I, yes. And uh, in, uh, actually Westchester, oh. the town of Bronxville, uh, just near a uh, side of Yonkers in, in Westchester County. It's a 30 minute train ride okay. on the North, but I was in, I was in Manhattan maybe three to four times a week. Like I was all the time here. So, okay. Um, so what's it like moving from the biggest city in Canada to a really big city in, in general? Um, what was, was there an adjustment for that? Oh my God. Yeah. There, I mean, my parents were really nervous about, um, cause I was looking at like MIU, like Tish and other programs as well, but of course, like that was more BFA. So ultimately we went early decision on the, the common app for, for American people. It's a little bit more familiar, but it's an application where you, uh, because there's so many choices of, of schools in the United States, rather than doing an individual application, like you do in Canada, mm-hmm. it, a lot of people adopted this thing called the common app where you, you apply to multiple schools, but it's one application. So you don't have to do it hundred X times. Right. Um, so uh, ultimately decided to go to Sarah Lawrence. But going back to your point about being overwhelmed. Um, yeah. You know, I was you know freshly 18 moving to a completely, even though it's an hour, whatever, an hour and a half flight, it's such a easy commute from Toronto. It is a different country. Um, and originally I thought, oh, Americans and Canadians are they're so similar. They're, they're the same people. There's no difference. I could not have been more wrong. There's such a cultural difference. And um, it's a bit of a, not, I wouldn't say a culture shock, but it was definitely a, um, you know, I went to sleepaway camp my whole life. So I, I wasn't homesick or anything that since the age of five, I went to sleepaway camp for a month and 13 on two months. So I've been away from home. I, I know how to handle that, but it, it is very different for an extended period of time and only coming back at spring break or winter break. Um, and, you know, making new, uh, completely new friends, not knowing a soul. I have, you know, I have a lot of family and cousins here as well. That's nice. But friends wise, you know, new country brand new start so it almost was like a fresh brand new start so it definitely was i'm gonna ask you if you get this experience too do they ever call you out or or quote quote i mean uh i'm on your accent (laughs) on your quote unquote accent it's it's so true there is a canadian you know sorry the boat like that 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 type it is it is a little true i have to say (laughs) it it comes out a little bit more when so when i when i visit my family back in toronto um when I come back, my friends notice like, oh, your, your Canadian accent is slipping out. But when I come back here, I'm so Americanized now that I kind of like adjust. So it's like, it's very, it changes based on, you know, what you hear speech-wise from people, depending on geographically where you are. Yeah. And, and I get a lot more because um, now that the pandemic with, you know, Zoom and being talking to everybody all over the States. Yeah. I get it. They always are you Canadian? You <laughs> like definitely hear it. I, yeah. I used to, that was one of my, uh, I was naive. I used to think, oh, no, no, no. We, like we sound the same, but no, that really Canada is the second biggest country in the world. Like there's so many different regions, different accents, like yeah. Nova, Nova Scotia to the prairies, to Toronto, to, you know, there, there's different yeah. accents, just like there are in the States. So. Yeah. It's just funny when I, whenever I call down. Um, so let me, so you went to Sir Lawrence for how long? Three years? Four years, yeah. Four years, so I okay. Undergraduate. I studied abroad my junior year, uh, first uh, in Canadian terms, third year. Okay. Um, uh, studied abroad at the British American Drama Academy oh. in London. 
Um, and it was incredible. It was great Shakespeare training, to be honest, you know, selfishly, uh, I, I used, it was basically an excuse to travel every single weekend because it's yeah. so darn cheap to fly there. Right. So that was, that, that was, that was another reason why I decided to go. But the, the training in Shakespeare and high comedy, um, it was a conservatory style training program that you, that I got. So it's something, if I were to go to a Sheridan college or uh, a Tisch or MIU Tisch or, you know, that like a Juilliard or some sort of program like, like that, where it's a conservatory, I got a taste of that for a semester. So it was definitely very useful as an actor, that type of training, rigorous, you know, 9am to like 6.30pm, um, sometimes lectures and uh, required things on, on the weekends as well. So that limited to travel sometimes, but um, definitely got that really good training. Nice. So you finished school. You moved. You were, were you living in New York or were you on campus? That's I was. Uh, I was living on campus. So in America, it's it's common a lot. Depending where you are, it's pretty common to live on campus all four years. Whereas in Canada, like uh, your freshman year, um, you live on campus, and then sophomore year on. Sorry, second Canadian term. Second year <laughs> on. Again, very Americanized. Second yeah. year on. Um, you live off campus, like you get an apartment with friends or a house or a Queens or Western, you know, those are like the two that everybody usually goes to. Um, but, um, in the States, depending where you are. So at Sarah Lawrence, I'd say like 90% of people lived on campus all four years. Interesting. So once you're finished school, you moved into New York. Mm -hmm. What, What was, what was your next step? What did you do? Yeah, it was, oh my God, it was overwhelming. I mean, it's, I'm sure people who are graduating or just graduated, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine when it was like during COVID mm-hmm. that that's a whole nother story, but you know, it's overwhelming. Obviously it's like, all right, what's the next step? What's going to happen. And uh, uh, luckily right after I graduated, I was lucky enough to get cast in my third season of uh, summer Soft theater, the Woodstock playhouse. So I, I literally went right, right up um, upstate to the Woodstock. It's kind of near where the festival, Actually, the Woodstock Festival happened in Bethel Woods. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know that, which is a little further down. But the Woodstock Playhouse in the town of Woodstock, New York, we did a summer season, my third summer sock season. Um, we did Sweeney Todd, Spring Awakening, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and uh, God, what was the other one? I'm, I'm blanking out on the other one. But anyway, it was a great season. And then <laughs> that took me to the end of the summer. And that's when I kind of officially moved to New York City. So I got like a micro studio apartment, no US credits. That's a whole other thing, getting an apartment in New York City. I won't even get into that rabbit hole. That's quite a nightmare for anybody. But, um, you know, getting like a place that accepted international stu- like students, that type of housing. So I got this micro studio and I was there for, you know, about a year uh, before I had to go home for a year and a half for my green card processing. But my student visa, you, you get the, it's called OPT. You get to work for a year after you graduate. Um, and, uh, I was lucky enough to get cast in a, a workshop right, right when I got back, like literally right when I got back, you know, that doesn't, doesn't usually happen that fast. So, yeah. uh, it, uh, it's a show called molasses in January. There were two workshops and then three, God, what was it? Two, two and a half, three years later, they did an off Broadway production of it. And they offered me, cause I was a leading role, mm-hmm. uh, but they offered me to, to do it, but my green card wasn't processed. I was like, oh my God, oh. I'm, oh, I'm so disappointed. And then literally when I moved back, finally about a year, half a year, year into it, I can't even remember, they did a second off-Broadway production. So hmm. I did do that one. So oh. that was, but going back to your point, yeah, I had that all lined up. And then I was lucky enough to do two other shows um, during my, you know, kind of just under one year period 
of being able to work. So I did uh, another um, uh, show, the, uh, the Sherry Lane Theater, uh, uh, Theater for the New City in the East Village, and uh, a few other workshops as well. But uh, just auditioning and living and working. And then um, I also did a previous internship uh, during college that led to a paying job in marketing. So that, that's kind of what I was doing to, um, you know, working remotely, going back to that point, kind of doing both. So that was the early stages of what I do now. Well, that's fantastic that right after school, you got some, you got work and then you got more. Yeah, work. It was, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it was, you know, it's, it's so different now. I, it, it, like everything changed with COVID, but this was at a time, you know, I, I feel like I'm only, I just, I just turned 29. I feel, I feel very old saying this, go, it's like back in the day, how we used to audition, you know, a lot yeah. of people vividly remember that, but it used to be, you wake up, literally there's non-union versus union. So, and then there's equity membership candidate. It's, it's a whole nother thing I can get into, but you literally wake up at the crack of dawn, like five or six in the morning, you wait in line all day. Um, and, um, you hope to be seen and sometimes you're not going to be seen because equity members have to be seen first. This is when I was non-union at the time. Um, and it's like a grind. It's like a cattle call. It's a whole thing, sweaty, 500 bodies in the building packed, which would never happen with COVID now, uh, into waiting rooms, hoping to be seen, sing your eight to 16 bars or do your monologue. And most of the time they're not even paying attention, but then, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you pass. So, um, uh, one good example of the craziest, call I've ever had and I actually got lucky enough to be I just didn't get cast but I was on hold for the role of woof and the international tour of hair oh. that there was this crazy situation where people I think I got there at four in the morning with my buddy Eric and we were just sitting in line we're just like oh bro this is like awful like oh I don't know how much longer I could do this like people are burning out it's like and it was like not even audition season it was like in the summer oh. um, and I got to the, the the waiting room like it was like nine o'clock when they opened the doors and then somebody said like oh wait uh, we're not going to honor this list which is this whole thing was this unofficial list that people write their name as an honor system and people cheat it and so but like you know yeah. most of the time people are genuine human beings and they, they honor it and the monitor said wait we're not gonna i don't think we're honoring this list and then everybody just rushed at the table and it was like oh my god it was like every man and woman for themselves and like pushing each other and then they're like oh wait we will we will but it was just like oh my god i just got up at like three or four in the morning and like are you telling me that i'd like because i waited in line for nothing like what's happening they'll communicate so it's just that was so common and then now covid changed everything I'd be, auditions are virtual now um at least the first round most of the time and and then if you know you're invited for an audition that's mostly you know your digital online presence is so much more important now rather than in person so well, it's nice not waking up at the crack, crack a ton and waiting all day. I, I do prefer in person because there's just nothing more authentic and better than that. It's oh, sure. you're your own worst critic when you're doing self tapes and it's this whole world. It's, it's, it takes the joy out of it a little bit. Well, it, it is nice not, you know, work-life balance is a little bit better, but, you know, I do miss the good old days of, yeah. you know, social thing too. Seeing people, oh, hey, how's it going? And you see the same people that you're, you're typed. So when you're called in for certain things, you see the same same actors and that you usually you're going up against and we're all friends and stuff but yeah it, that's, yeah. yeah it becomes like a, a like a family right it, it it's you you meet the same people because you know you're going up for the same parts or just in general and, and you get to know each other and it's a great way to just um network 
and oh you God, build yeah. everything. But yeah, I understand why you have to do the auditions, you know, virtually now, but everything is so lost that way. Yeah. And it just, you know, it's, uh, I think it's very unfortunate because a lot of the magic has been taken out of it. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Broadway off Broadway community, it's, it seems like it's big, but it's actually really small. Like you, you everybody knows everybody type of thing. So it's pretty I've, simple. I've, yeah, I've been finding that just talking with people. I'm like, oh, they know this person. They know this person who knows this person. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's crazy that it's way. So you you had to leave. You had you came back. Um, what year was that that you were? Oh, God, it was uh, I'm trying to remember. It was 2016 to 17. OK. And so summer of 2016 as I graduated in 2015 summer 2016 till the fall of 2017 okay that's how long it took wow is that normal or is that it's just like oh my god that's you're lucky at this point if it's that that well that, now yeah <laughs> at this point it's so like I'm I'm supposed to be like eligible to be a dual citizen this fall okay. and because they're so behind in their processing it could take years before they're yeah. they have to stamp this one last thing before I'm able to even apply. I can't, even though I'm technically, you know, eligible, this one last thing, we have this, it's, it's a whole thing. It's yeah. COVID backlogs and it's a nightmare. So it's, it's unfortunate, but I'm lucky that I am, am able to work here. And, you know, I, the most important steps over with, it's just the final step of the journey, the yeah. naturalization that takes a while. So, so you, you were in this, the city, you were working, uh, you got to perform at 54 below. What, what was yeah, that like? Uh, yeah, I've been there a couple, I mean, yeah, twice there. It's, um, mm. it's a really nice space. It's a, uh, it's a very nice, think of it as like Broadway's nightclub. So like a lot of people do their shows and they, cannot, they come and they do, they do a show at uh, 54 Below. Um, so usually cabarets or some sort of theme towards it. Um, and it's just a really awesome. I also, when I was interning for a public relations company, a theater, theater public relations company, I got to meet uh, Laura Osnes, who's like the nicest human being. Um, and um, God, who was it? I'm blanking on the name, but like a few, a few Broadway stars and we yeah. hosted an event for them. And this is like early, early morning, but it, it was just such a cool, it's, it was so cool to be able to have been part of an event there, also has have performed as an actor there, but also have been an audience member a number of times seeing shows like Telly Leung's uh, one man show, um, bunch of other people it's just too many to count but it's just a very nice intimate space and great food great drinks great you know the, the waiters bartenders the staff is incredible uh very friendly people and nothing but great things is it yeah i've heard i've heard number of people go there and perform either their works or just performing i actually interviewed jennifer uh tepper uh just last week about it and the way she talked about it I'm like oh, i gotta go at some point down to check this place out so what did you perform there what was it a show was it a review what, what was it it was a uh, cabaret of um uh my acting coach um and a bunch of uh, his clients it was kind of like a showcase type of thing so i did a couple shows of that uh, uh two years in a row so it was just a medley of different songs you know the theme of like love coming together and everybody gets like a like you get like a duet a solo song uh type of thing um but yeah it's it was a lot of fun right so i'm, I'm i everybody has a story of this 
when COVID hit, March 12th, when everything mm. shut down, were you in a show? Were you auditioning for a show? Were you were you doing anything? What what was what were you doing and how did that hit you? Yeah, it, I I actually was interviewed about this by um, um, another um, another person um, in the Toronto scene, and basically quite a story. So I, I wasn't in a show at the time. Uh, I I just finished um, actually well, sort of I, I just finished my show. So long story short, I'm a playwright as well. So I wrote a show about college fraternity hazing. It's called Hazing You. I had four closed door um, um, readings of it with actors, feedback, one staged reading of it mm-hmm. with feedback from an audience, and then a New York City production of it, literally right before COVID, just in the nick of time, January 2020. I'm so grateful I was able to get it done. And uh, I was actively developing next steps of like, I want to get it off Broadway. That's like, the, that's like the dream, the, the goal. Yeah. So I was starting to like have conversations about that. But it was also the very kind of towards the end of audition season. So like January to like April-ish, maybe a lot of people burn out by February, March. Um, it was just a really brutal audition season. I remember people were just getting tired. Um, there was a, a few different uh, incidents that happened in, um, in the building. Uh, there was, I'm not going to mention the, uh, the, the, the whole story, but there was this hashtag called poop gate at one of the, uh, one of the studios. It was quite a thing. Um, I, I, I can't even remember where it was posted, but it was this forum where we audition updates where people can say, how, how's the line moving? What place, what's going on? People would just like flood this forum of um, information and there was this whole incident. So it became the joke. Um, the, the cast of the prom of Broadway made a music video about it. It was the whole thing. Uh, but it was a particularly um, brutal audition season. And it was kind of like strange time. It was kind of like, I kind of felt like this is kind of like a nice like pause to like take a break for a second. And yeah. naturally, you know, it was kind of heading towards that. Like most things were cast for the summer or beyond. And that's it's kind of a bit of a slowdown as you approach the spring and summer. But I was at the last, it turned out to be the last night of Broadway being open. I was like, looking at people and I would just kind of like go like, oh yeah, you know, it's just a cold or the flu. Cause we didn't, we didn't know any better at right. the time. So I, right. just, I was like shocked at seeing people with some people, not a lot of people with masks. And I was just like, I was thinking people were overreacting. I saw West Side Story on Broadway. This is March 11th, 2021, which was 2020. <laughs> uh, I saw the show and on the way home, you know, I was completely fine. I was like, oh, I'm just, there was an actor next to me. He's like, oh, I've seen you at an audition. It's like, oh, hey, what's up? Nice to meet you, like, um, fifty meet you. And he's like, put his hand out. And I made a joke. I remember saying, oh, maybe we should like, you know, elbow, you know, this whole virus type of thing. He's like, oh yeah, probably a good idea. And he, like, there was like Purell for everybody. They were trying to get people to be comfortable to go in because it was just starting. Yeah. I was completely comfortable. But on the subway ride home, boom, Twitter, NBA season canceled. And then boom, Tom Hanks. And his wife getting COVID. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is like actually serious. And there was some guy who was like having a coughing fit near me. So I got up and like left. And I was getting like really spooked at this point. I yeah. called my parents. I'm like, what are we going to do? And, you know, they, they at the time were not convinced that it was serious. And I was, I started hearing from uh, some, a friend of mine who was basically feeding me some stuff. They're like, they're thinking about closing the bridge. They're thinking about closing the border. And I was just like, oh my God what if I get stranded in New York and I literally, like, I'm thinking, I'm seeing like the movie Contagion and all these different things. What if I get stranded and I can't get out and I'm here alone and the grocery stores, people are panic buying. And so I like, I foresaw all that. And I'm like, 
I'm leaving tomorrow, hell or high water. And I rented a car from Newark and I drove home and uh, uh, a friend of mine joined me on the way because she was also Canadian, wanted to, wanted to get out as well. And it was scary. It was like, at, at that point, I was like overnight changed. I was spooked and I left work early. I signed off and drove to Toronto. And I think two days later, they closed the borders. And then my parents were like, you're making a mistake. Like, why did you leave? Like, you know, I don't understand. And then they're like, oh my God, yeah, we're, we're glad you're home. And everything changed like overnight. So yeah. that's kind of my story. Wow. And when did you finally, were you able to get back across the border? When did you finally get back to New York? So I could have at any time, but you know, New York was like the epicenter of the world at that point. Yeah. Uh, it literally was the epicenter of the world. So I wasn't comfortable going back. I was pretty cautious about COVID. Um, now I'm like completely, completely comfortable and fine. Like, I, but like before I was like very, very, very paranoid about it. Like I was like getting angry at my parents. It was like this whole situation, like, you know, two adult children learning to live at home with their parents again, type of thing, you know, it's yeah. very difficult. So there, you know, a lot of, a lot of good family time, but also a lot of tension. So I was there for six, just under six months, like half wow. a year. And then end of the summer, things were actually really good at that point. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. finally comfortable going back, but until I got my, my uh, first and second shot of uh, uh, Moderna, I, I was like super paranoid, but as soon as I got my shots, I was like, I feel completely safe now. I trust science. I trust it. I'm going to travel. I'm going to yeah. not be worried anymore. And um, I haven't been worried since, to be honest. Nice. <coughs> so you, you got back to New York, but the theaters aren't still open, really. Wait, when did the yeah. theaters open there? Like it, because it was really depressing. Because, yeah, I was because uh, over the COVID time, COVID times, the pandemic, uh, I talked to people in England. I had friends in England, in the States and here, and we all had three such different ways of, of doing things. Like in Canada, I remember everything just closed down March 12th and didn't open for like a year and a half. Nothing. There's no theater at all. England was up and down, up and down, open, close, yeah. open, close, which was insane. And then New York and the States were close for a long time. But then one a full yeah. year so i think it was august or september of 2021 the play mm-hmm. pass over was the first i think don't quote me on this i think it was the first one to reopen the, the open and uh i saw it and it was it was so nostalgic being in a the theater again you know with the mask and everything yeah. i was completely okay with that but um it, it, and then it was a slow and steady and then one by one they started to reopen but a lot of shows um really shuttered and they, you know, unfortunately closed and, and with Omicron that really put a hamper on things too. Um, but the off Broadway community has been decimated. Like there's just been, it's, that's been really, really, really slow to recover. Um, and that's mostly my scene right now. So I'm, you know, I'm still feeling that, you know, it's sad. So it's, there's, there's, it's open, but it's also not, you know, Broadway is, but to, an, to a certain extent it's not because yeah, it's such a risk, um, to, to some producer now in um, no. the for, last for week lower, lower, oh, yeah lower shows not quality it's not right right word but for like off broadway and you know that that type of scene yeah because how many shows have closed just this in the last week and this is we're in june of 2022 in case mm-hmm. people are listening like four years in the future um like so many shows just got announced closed right it's it's crazy yeah, yeah broadway too I mean, yeah. yeah mostly mostly broadway but but um yeah the off-Broadway scene has been a lot slower to recover. Yeah. So what was the first show you got once everything 
reopen quote unquote in 2021 uh well uh i i, I didn't so I, I did it like a i've done like a, a few different cabarets so i, I performed mm -hmm. at um God, what was it uh uh, the, the Beekman Theater in New York. Um, I did a cabaret on um, uh, performance, uh, Jacques Brel, uh, his music. Um, I did a, uh, my good friend, uh, Don Mike Mendoza, who's also the, um, uh, in charge of Latito Productions, who's, who produced my play, Hazing You. Um, I did a benefit 10th, I think it was the 10th anniversary benefit concert in Washington, DC. Mm. So I performed at the, uh, I think it was Union Stage, I think that's what it was in February of this year. Um, I, I did a cabaret of that, uh, celebrating, you know, that, that occasion. I did a virtual play, The Boy Who Listened to Paintings at the Theater for the New City. Mm -hmm. That was more in 2020, early 2021. And then my first in-person actual physical production, off-Broadway production, where I met you, uh, The Ten Commandments, the musical. I yeah. just finished that in uh, May. Last nice. Week. Well, congratulations on that. I got to see you. So great Thank job yeah. on, on that. Yeah, that was my first time in New York since October 2019, probably. Wow. Uh, yeah, first time out of the country since 2019. So it was it was very surreal. It was very surreal to be back. Um, so what have you what if what's on the horizon for Zach? Yeah, uh, so I spent a lot of time in Canada in the summer, um, family and friends and traveling and stuff like that. But um, it's kind of like my downtime, unless I get a show, like obviously mm -hmm. I would back to do that type of thing. Yeah. But I'm, uh, I'm slowly auditioning again, but at the same time, I'm really focusing on um, developing my play, Hazing You, to go off Broadway. So nice. we're actually pretty close. Um, we're actually contacting off-Broadway venues right now to do some due diligence. Uh, my director, uh, Stephen Cutts, I'm going to be uh, touring some of, the, some of our choices uh, in the next week or two. Uh, to kind of kind of see the space and get a feel for the venue, um, and and we're uh, we're hosting a uh, charitable event for um, uh, TBD, which one? But a anti hazing organization um, in uh, at the end of the summer, either late August or early September, mm -hmm. uh, and all proceeds go to this anti hazing organization. Uh, but it's also kind of a networking event um, to to meet people and you know spread the word about this very important issue and. Um, we, we have a few producers on board that are interested in, in helping us. So we have a pitch deck ready and we're kind of just doing our due diligence and getting to the next step of uh, actually mounting it and, you know, getting the cast uh, together again and, you know, getting, uh, getting ready to go. So awesome. that's kind of what I'm dedicating most of my time to theatrically right now. So we're aiming to do spring 2023 for the off-Broadway production. What made you choose this topic? Or did it just come to you? Yeah, it's, something? I saw it as a really important in the world of that we live in right now that I've seen it in the news. I've seen a few movies on it, mm -hmm. but I've never seen it being discussed or, I mean, the sole fo focus of like an actual story in the theater. Mm -hmm. To my knowledge, from what I've, what I've seen, there's never been a production about college fraternity hazing in the theater. And it's such a you hear about it over and over and over again in the news and it's just like this is this is actually an epidemic this is like a like i'm not i'm not i'm not against you know fraternities and sororities and hazing is is obviously you know a big part of it unfortunately but what i'm trying to highlight is the the very dark and disturbing courses of hazing the things the criminal aspects of it like that result in actual people dying or getting seriously injured 
and yeah. taking things too far. And the idea of the cycle continues is a big theme in my play. So I thought it's a very important, relevant, current, but also very interesting topic to be explored in the theater. And um, I'm pretty passionate about it and uh, pretty excited about where it's going to go next. And um, it's, uh, it's very unique because it's never been done in the theater before. So. Well, congratulations on on getting it up Thank in the you. first place and wherever it's going with the, with the talks, with the off Broadway shows and the producers and everything. So, congratulations on all that stuff. Thank you. No problem. So, um, yeah, Zach, thank you so much for coming on and introducing the world to you and what you've done and your experiences of, you know, getting the green card and moving to New York. And (laughs) cause there's, there's hundreds of thousands of people that, that would love to do what you did. No, not just from Canada, but you know, just within the States itself. Right. And, and things like that. So (laughs) you are an inspiration. (laughs) <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> for all these people i'm so proud of my canadian roots so i'll, ne- I'll never give that up and i will never give up my canadian passport i'm always a canadian first so awesome all right well before we go um i always ask three questions of my guests there's no right yeah. or wrong answer but people might judge you the listeners are very judgy out there okay i'm not ish but they are very judgy but good to know good to know <laughs> yeah. so question number one what creator or team within musical theater has had a great influence on you? You know, it could be a composer, lyricist, director, yeah. producer, actor, even stage manager. It could be somebody famous or not famous, like a teacher. Is there somebody who's had a big influence on you? Yes, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Colm Wilkinson. One, because when I was, uh, I think I was three or four years old, that's how my, my parents knew that I, you know, I was passionate about this. The Canadian Phantom of the Opera sound record, uh, cast recording. Yeah. Played it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in the car and anywhere we were, the CD. And yeah. I, I'm obsessed with that show. It's my life. It's my, my dream show. My, it's my everything. It's what got me interested in musical theater and theater in the first place. And, um, you know, I, I just think Colm is incredible. And Andrew Lloyd Webber, obviously, you know, it, it's incredible too. And just such a important show. I see it every year on Broadway. And I've seen the West End production two or three times which is incredible to uh, Canadian productions as well. But um, that I, I would say is my biggest influence in uh, my path. We brought, we brought it out the passion. Very nice. One point, correct answer. <laughs> so, and it's funny because Phantom is, is, a, is one of those gateway musicals, kind of like Rent and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, once you go back far enough, musicals are just part of the the, the world, yeah. like Oklahoma. But there are certain points within the canon and it's, it's funny that, you know, you mentioned one more that it was the same for me just earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so very cool. All right. Question number two, what foods do you miss that you can't get down there that are Canadian? What, is there anything, any foods up oh there? Oh my God. John and should Paul. we bring them down to you next time? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, it's hard to, hard to think, uh, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't really eat it maybe once a year, but poutine and uh, beaver tails. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I'm visiting like a ski mountain in Canada, like uh, Mont Tremblant or like Whistler, having beaver tails, nothing like it. Nice. Yeah, I've been told I have to bring down some Canadian Mars bars because they're different. Because you know what? Chocolate and things like yes, that. It's reminded me. I don't particularly like it, but Americans are obsessed with it because they can't get it in, in, in the U.S. It's um, I think it's ketchup chips. Yes. Flavor chips. Yep. Lays or whatever. I don't know what brand, but yeah. You know what? We should create a pipeline where I'll ship them down to you. You sell them on the 
black market <laughs> to Americans. <laughs> we'll we'll mark it up. <laughs> yeah, we'll do well. <laughs> Good answers. Well. Correct answer. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to Montreal this weekend. I'm going to have some poutine for sure. So, nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question number three, and the one that they will judge you on because people are that way. Food in the theater or cell phones in the theater? Which is worse? Ooh. It's a tough one. Depends. There's so many circumstances yeah. around it. I would say food. One, because it could, it could get out of control and messy, and mm -hmm. uh, it's, hard, it's a lot more difficult to um to kind of judge and you know discuss among people like what, what like where you can and can't eat whereas cell phones you know it's trusted that the actor or actress is going to be professional enough to know when's the right when is the right time to use it or not use it it's, yeah. it's just automatically trusted that they that they they'll have discipline for it i i would have also accepted both are terrible if if if, if, if it's audience members yes audience member on the stage audience member, yes Oh yeah. If, if it's an audience member, I would say absolutely no, no uh, cell phones because it's <laughs> always, you can't trust the audience to not be like certain bad apples in the audience to not be on their phone. It's definitely an issue. Have you ever had a story of either food or, or you've been on stage and there's food or cell phones in the audience? Not that I can think of, to be oh, honest. Yeah. I've been lucky enough that often, yeah, maybe in high school one time there, there somebody with flash was like taking pictures and it was like really distracting, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't brave enough to have a Patty Lapone moment to school them. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. By the way, Pat, I, I love her. She, that was an incredible moment a, a few weeks ago where she mouthed off to an audience member who was not wearing their mask and yeah. she was absolutely in the right. And she has told people to put their phones down before in the middle of the show. And I think it's incredible. Good. And, and nobody, nobody in the cast or anybody else would falter for breaking character or anything like that. You know what? You're Patty Lapone and you're not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. Another correct answer. Now you do get a bonus question. I do have All a right. bonus question for you. Now, when you get your green card, will they deny it if you say Zed? <laughs> uh, you said Z earlier. So I'm just curious. Yeah, that's that's another going back to my point of being so Americanized now that I uh, I switch it up depending on where I am geographically. I, I would like to think maybe I'll, I'll be in the middle there. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is either. Yeah. I'm, I am curious. They'll deny you if you say Zach. <laughs> um, uh, Zach, four out of three. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Uh, there's no point. There's nothing to win. I have no prizes. I'm in theater. I have no money. So, but you get to brag to everybody that you won the game. So, <laughs> um, Zach, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah. It was great really finally getting to meet you. We, we met a little bit in New York after the Ten Commandments, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much. John Paul, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, best of luck and have an amazing summer. Thank you. All right. We were just speaking with Zach Martin from New York City here on uh, Be Our Guest on Musical Theater Radio. Tune in next week as we'll be speaking with another guest or guest about their life, love, and passion that is musical theater. I am your host as always, Jean-Paul Yovanov. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.